Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a teenager, there was here in Knoxville, because I grew up here, and there was this place where teenagers used to like to hang out. And you know what the name of it was? The Place. Everybody liked to go to the place. Now, I was a teenager, so it wasn't drugs and drinking and, you know, all of that. But it was just a place where teenagers got together and we hung out. And I didn't get in trouble. I don't know what they did. I just got with my friends and, you know, you dance, you do whatever you do. And we just had a good time in that regard. But I can remember the excitement as a teenager when it was going to be time that I was going to go to the place place. I was going to go over there, you know, and there was going to be a band there, and I was going to see my friends, and uh, of course, there were going to be boys there, you know, so that was exciting for me as a teenager, you you can imagine. Have you forgotten? (laughs) Some of you, some of you, I don't know the way you're looking at me, (laughs) but um, I got excited about going to the place. And the place I'm going to talk to you about tonight is the house of God. I'm going to talk to you about the place where God meets you. I'm going to talk to you about the place where God gives you vision, where he gives you a dream, where he stirs your heart, where he gives you something that takes you beyond yourself and where you are. The place. That's what I'm going to share tonight. Now, place denotes these things. Now, listen. Community, a dwelling, a hangout, if you will, a residence, a location with a purpose. That's what place means. The local fellowship, the assembly, whatever you want to call it, the local church, is the place where God gives us to worship him. We come into the house of God, into the place here tonight to worship him and to receive from him. Amen. And we also come to have community with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I can remember when I was growing up and I was a small child and, you know, we had a community and, and, and there were th- probably 30 children in that neighborhood and we all got together and played all the time. You know, ride bicycles, play games, play softball, you know, whatever it is. And in that little community, the church was in that community and, and, and uh, many people would go to that particular church. Some would go to others, but a lot of people would go to that particular church. And then in that neighborhood, in that community, in that place, if you will, uh, what would happen, there would be a grocery store there and you would do your grocery shopping there. Can you even imagine that they would deliver them to your door for you (laughs) in that little community? But you see what I'm saying? There, It it was like there was closeness there. And, and, And in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today, all that that we have mostly of community is going to be in the house of the Lord, in this place right here, and other houses of worship uh, that 
uh, that exalt Jesus Christ as Lord and preach the word of God. Those are communities and those are houses of worship that I'm talking about. So the local, local fellowship or church is a place where God gives us to worship him and it's a place where we can connect with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's a refuge. Everybody say refuge. You know what a refuge is. If, if you talk about, you know, uh, let's just say uh, in Africa and, and, you know, you go over there and you go on a safari and, you know, there'll be a, a, a place where there's a refuge for the animals where they can come and be protected and nobody's going to hunt them, nobody's going to kill them, they can get away from their predators and enemy. Well, I want to tell you, the house of God, I want us to see the place, the house of God. I want us to see it as a refuge from the storms of life, from the enemies of God, from the enemies of people. It's a place where we can come. I like to look at the local church like a hospital. It is a place. And when you go to the hospital, they're trying to, uh, uh, to look at, at you and your situation, and they're trying to make you better, right? Well, when you come to God's house, it's a place of refuge and where the Word of God can keep you safe and keep you pr protected. And the Holy Spirit can envelop you and help you in every endeavor, in every situation that you are in. I believe that with all of my heart. You can come in, and I've heard it for years. People come in, and they're so uh, cast down. They're so downtrodden. They're, they're just under the situations of life. You know what I'm talking about. And they can come in here and faith is imparted because the Holy Spirit is here and the Word of God is here. They come in. I hear it all the time. I was there such and such a time and God spoke a word and I was praying, God, I need to hear from you. And I heard that night. The Holy Spirit revealed something to me. He gave me an answer. He opened up a door. And how wonderful that is. The house of God is a refuge. It's a place where we can receive from him. Amen. But it's also a place where you can help someone else. God gives you and he gives me certain things to minister and to help every uh, person that we come in contact if we're open to that. Amen. So Believers need a place to connect and have community and spiritual family. You have, most of us, you know, some people, you know, all their family is gone. They're gone to heaven or they've left the earth, whatever the case may be. And, and you know, there are people like that. But many of us, we still have family members that are here in our earthly family. Um, my earthly family is very important to me, as I'm sure that yours are. You know, families are all different. There, you know, there's not one size fits all, and that's for sure. So you have a natural family, but then you have a spiritual family. And let me tell you, God says, I set the solitary, those that are alone out there, I bring them and I set them in the place. I bring them and I set them in the place. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm mad at that pastor because he preached on blah, blah, and I didn't like it. I'm offended and I'm leaving. Well, you just go ahead. But if that is your supply of the Spirit and where God has put you, you are not going to be 
progressing in the Lord the way that you need to. You say, well, you're just saying that because you're a pastor. That doesn't matter. If you're visiting here tonight and you go to some other church, it's the same everywhere. God takes people and places them in the family. Now, we can be a part of the family and not be a contributor, and we can be a part of the family and not help that family grow and develop and become, or we can throw our lot in, and we can work together as a spiritual family, and we can see the world, our world, turned upside down for Jesus Christ. Cause some trouble. Just cause some trouble. Be like, you know, the prophet. You remember that Ahab, you know, he said, there's the man that's causing trouble. And Elijah, he didn't care. That's right. I'm a troublemaker for Jesus. And that's what we need to be. We need to cause some trouble. For what? For the church? Get in strife and all? No. Cause some trouble for the kingdom of darkness. Get people born again. Share your faith. Bring them to the place of refuge and to the place of deliverance. Amen? We're to go out into the hedges and highways and compel them to come in. Amen? I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and turn with me to 1 Kings um, chapter number 8. In 1 Kings chapter, chapter number 8, I want us to look, we're going to read some in there in just a minute, but I want us to look at 1 Kings chapter 8 as a pattern. Everybody say pattern. pattern. Now, if you read that whole chapter, you will see that Solomon, King David's son, built... A temple. David wanted to build the temple, didn't he? He wanted to build it, but God said, no, you can't do it, but your son can do this. And so Solomon built the temple, and it was a, a great, great place. And on the day that, uh, that they were dedicating it, Solomon comes to the temple, and he lifts up his hands, and he began to pray prayers of what was going to take place in this temple. Now, before the temple, there was the tabernacle. You all know that, a tent, in other words. That's where the priest would go, and the, the Spirit of God was, and uh, so... They were leaving that tabernacle and coming into this building. They were coming to the place where God was going to meet them. And so when I say tonight that Solomon and what he was talking about here is a pattern for us, what I'm saying is we can take things that are in this 1 Kings chapter number 8 and we can equate this to what should be happening in God's house, the place of worship, the place of refuge, the place of deliverance, the place for spiritual family and community. We can, we can get an understanding of what need, needed to take place. Now, we're in trouble in Christianity today because we've left the pattern. 
we've left the pattern. Isn't that what was prophesied in 2 Timothy? He said, in the last days they will have a form, a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And so we've got so-called places of worship and I'm not here to down any because I don't really have any place on my mind. I'm, I, I just want to make a point. And, and my point is that uh, here, you know, you can see that uh, as this talks about, you know, what's going to go on in the church, and you can see the pattern has strayed far and far and far away from what it is. And so man came up with, uh, well, let's let our liturgy, let's let it be this, and let's do it that way, and, 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 and let's have high church. You know, let's have dignity. Let's talk to God. And so, and now, isn't that true? Isn't that what we do? Man's way of trying to worship God in man's way? Now, I don't think that we should be disrespectful. I don't think that we should do embarrassing things. I don't, but, but you know, it does, I don't, to lift up my hands and worship God, to speak blessing out to the Lord, to bow my knee to worship Him, None of that, you know, that's not disrespectful. But you see, there's a pattern of how you worship God. There's a pattern for the community of believers. But we have strayed in so many ways. But what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look at some elements and find this pattern. A pattern is a design. Now, you ladies that sew, you, you understand this and you know, know this. Now, I can't sew, but I did take home ec one year in high school. And I understand, you know, that you lay the pattern down, you pin it, right? You pin it, and then you take your scissors, and then you start going around and you follow the pattern. Is that right? Okay, that's the way you do it. Okay, so if you want a pattern of worship and you want a pattern of what it's supposed to be in the house of God, then don't you think you go to the Bible and you find out about that? See, this was the first temple that was dedicated. Now, I understand that Jesus came and he delivered us. I understand all of that. But if you look at 1 Kings chapter number 8, you are going to see things in there that should be taking place in God's house. Amen? All right. So the pattern is a design. It guides you. It's an original that you can follow. And we do not have the right to determine, well, we're going to do it our way. We're going to reconfigure the pattern, and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. Well, it doesn't work that way. I was reading in Revelation, because that's where I am in my Bible reading, just daily Bible reading. He said, if you add to or take away, you're in trouble with God. You can't, you, it, it's not up to us. 
God is the creator, and we worship in the way that he tells us to, not the way we determine that we're going to, because we think, after all, this is reasonable, don't you? And a group of people get together, and I guess they say, well, this is reasonable, we'll do this. When God says, nope, you do it my way. You worship him in spirit and in truth is what the Bible says. Amen? So uh, let's look at uh, 1 Kings 8, 41 through 43, okay? Are you listening? Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but comes out of a far country for thy name's sake. Because this is talking about God, right? For thy name's sake. For they shall hear of thy great name, and of thy strong hand, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray towards his house. Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger called to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name to fear thee, as do thy people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. Now, I want us to look at this for a minute because I think that there's something very interesting that we can learn from this. Now, here he's saying, when a stranger comes in from a far country. Now, who could a stranger be in a place like this? Who would a stranger be? A stranger could be a person who doesn't know the Lord, right? They come in from a far country out of the world. But they've heard something that makes them want to glorify God and be a part of the worship of God, okay? Now, why, what could they have heard? You know what they heard? My marriage was a mess and Jesus healed my marriage. My life was a wreck. I was going nowhere. I was in financial devastation. I called on God. I began to serve the Lord, and he turned it all around. I had a horrible sickness in my body, and the world and the doctor said, I have to go, I have to die. But Jesus said, I am the Lord that heals you. Amen. They began to hear the testimonies. Now, the one that they heard, you know, is, is when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. But that's out of the world. They came out of the world, and there, there were all kinds of miracles that happened, and it began to be published abroad. Everywhere, the testimony of this great and mighty God and what was going on in the, the children of Israel, what was going on in their lives. And so the stranger hears it, and he wants to come in. He wants to receive the Lord. He wants to make their God his God and turn his life around. Now, that's one stranger. But what I want you to notice now, they had to hear something. And they have to hear from the body of Christ. That is what has to happen now. Keep not silent, the scripture says. It is time now for us to go into the hedges, into the highways, bring people in that are strangers to God. 
that don't know him, and they're brought in by the wonderful, beautiful testimonies of the children of God and what God has done in our life. Somebody said, I don't know how to win someone to the Lord. Can you tell Jesus what happened in your life? How he turned your life around, what he has done for you, what he is doing for you right now? what he's done for others that you know. You know, some of us, we don't have a testimony that, uh, uh, you know, is one that, uh, you know, might be celebrated and everybody talks about. But whatever our testimony is, we can share it with others. Or again, if you know someone else's uh, testimony and it witnesses with someone, share it, tell it, take it out into the hedges and highway. And then the other thing I want us to notice, you, you know a stranger, a stranger can be a guest, can be a newcomer, someone who isn't a part. And see, we have people like that all the time that come in here. How, how, do, we, how do we relate to those people? You know, we've got, uh, we've got several teams uh, that minister to people like that. But if we just leave it up to those people on that team to do it, do you think that's the way that God wants things to be done? No. Once we come in here and we become a part of this family, we need to reach out to strangers. Strangers out there, strangers in here. People that need something from the Lord. We need to be reaching out. We need to bring them in. And then once they get here, we need to be touching them. We need to be ministering to them. We need to be loving them. Well, that's for the guest care. No, that's where you got it wrong. That's for you. So we have to get a mindset that is different. And it can't be, oh, I'm going to... You remember that saying about a family, me, my four, and no more? Well, see, we can be that way in church life, too. We can be friendly, but we got to go on beyond the friendliness. We got to get to a place where we help people see, look, whatever you need, Jesus is willing to meet that need. He wants to touch you today. Now, we don't have to say all of that, but what we're doing with our body language is preparing that. Preparing the atmosphere when the message is spoken, when praise and worship is going on, when a prayer is prayed that they can receive. So you understand what I'm saying? So, okay, so you've got the stranger, a stranger that comes in, but now how do the, how do the strangers get here? Look, statistics in our church already prove it. You know how they get here? For the most part, oh, well, it's that billboard you had up down there. It's that mail-out you did. No, people, a few people come through that. It, it is good to do that. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. But do you know how they get here? For the most part, a personal invitation, an invite from the people who are on fire, who love God, who are stirred in their hearts, who know that we're in the last days, who are about the Father's business, who care about those people that are out there that need the Lord. It's not just my four and no more, but we want this family to expand, people to come into the kingdom, lives to be changed, and they come in here, and it happens, and then they go out, and they bring in, and the and we just multiply. 
Oh, well, you're just into numbers. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If that's your attitude, then you probably are in disagreement with God because God is into numbers. He wrote a book called Numbers. (laughs) Now, isn't that something? Yes, I'm into numbers because I'm not into numbers so that we can say, oh, this is, you know, our attendance. That's not what. We're into numbers because numbers mean souls. We're going out into the hedges and highways compelling them to come in that the house will be full. Full of what? Full of healed people. Full of delivered people. Full of born-again people. Full of spirit-filled people. They may not be that way when they come in, but when they leave, they are. And as we worship, that expands and expands and expands. We've got to get a vision from God in our hearts. It can't just be words on paper. It can't just be words spoken that have no power. There's got to be a penetrating force that touches our life, that changes us, that gets us to get up. Well, I'm just sitting on the porch waiting for Jesus to come. Well, you may die on the porch. I don't know. But that's not what I'm doing. I know some of you, that's not what you're doing either. We're going we're gonna to make Jesus known in the earth, and we're going to do it right here from Redemption Church. It doesn't have to be somebody else somewhere. Now let them do it, and God bless them, but we can do it right here. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So people have to hear. The stranger has to hear, and it's going to come through you and me. What they hear how they hear it, and what goes on. Amen? So that's very, very important. So what I want to do is sum up that that one point. A stranger finds a place of acceptance and finds Jesus Christ in the house of God, in the place. Amen? The second thing you can find in 1 Kings 8, in verse number 46 If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. Now, some people I know think they don't sin. Do you know anybody like that? I sure, I don't. And thou be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they carry them away captive unto the land of the enemy far or near. Yet if they... Uh, bethink themselves in the land whether they were carried captives and repent and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captives saying we have sinned and have done perversely we have committed wickedness now I'm I'm just going to keep reading here Um, and so return unto thee with all their heart. Verse number 49. Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people. Now, the second thing that Solomon when he prayed this prayer, he reached out to God and he said, in the house of God, let it be a place where captives can be set free. 
Many of you that are sitting here tonight, you were captive. You were held prisoner by things that were going on in your life. You came to the place. You came to the house of God. And when you repented, God brought deliverance and opened the prison doors for you. And so what we need to do is we need to see that there are people, and we need to understand they're around us every day, uh, all week, all month years people can be around us and they can be a captive they can be in a prison house if you will and we hold the key to open it up to bring them into God's house to even share uh, ourselves out of what's happened to us and share that with them so that those doors can be opened and they can come out of the prison house. The house of God needs to be a place of deliverance. Well, you know, that's a little messy when you start ministering to people like that. Yes, you better believe it. It is messy. It is messy and people, you know, they, uh, they repent and get deliverance and then many times they can mess up again, whatever the case may be be but God's grace is there as long as they're repentant as long as they're not presuming on the the grace and mercy of God they can get back in and get things restored and get it fixed up can't you say amen, amen. now Jesus said he came in Luke 4 to uh, 18 to preach deliverance to the captive so a person needs to hear some preaching. Now, whether the preaching is from your mouth or from a pulpit, they need to hear preaching, and then deliverance will come. The prison doors will be opened. Can you say amen? amen. Now, people today are bound, they're restricted, they're enslaved, and it can come in different forms. Drugs, alcohol, people trying to drown their troubles. They're, you know, if I just drink enough, I'll forget my problems. If I just drink enough, you know, I, I'll, I'll be at least for a little while out of my pain and out of the torment and frustration that I'm feeling, you know. Some people are into pornography. They're addicted to it. I mean, they can't stay away from it. They're on the computer, you know, going to places where they shouldn't go. But I'm going to tell you, when you preach deliverance, captives are set free and prison doors are opened. You don't have to live that way. And that's the good news. And that's what we can share with people. And when people come to the house of God, it's the place of deliverance. It's the place where prison doors are open. The key is found and they can come out into a new life of liberty. And many of you that are in this place tonight, you know what I'm saying because you've experienced it in all different ways. That You know, that's not the only way to be bound. What I've been talking about here tonight, some people are just bound with gossip. Some people are bound with lust. Some people are bound with a, a spirit of offense. Everybody and everything. You know, well, they looked at me. Yeah, I guess you're human, and people would maybe glance at you, you know. Well, I can tell they don't like people of my color. How can you tell it? 
because you, got, you walk around with a spirit of offense with a chip on your shoulder, and it's time to get it off. Yes, there are bigots in the world. There are people th that are ungodly in that way. But everybody is not, and the house of God is not the place for that kind of thing to take place. But some people are bound by all that. And, and you know, I, I've, seen, I've, I've seen it work both ways. I've seen people come into this place, into the house of God, and sit under the word of God, rub shoulders with godly people, and I have seen their lives completely turn around. But now let me tell you what else I've seen. I've seen people come in at the same time that the other person came in, and I've, said, uh, I've heard, uh, watched them sit under the word of God, rub shoulders with the brothers and sisters in the Lord, get involved, but they never get delivered. If you don't want deliverance, if you like your little pet sins, if you like your little pet offense and criticalness and judgmentalness and all of that, if you like it, well, you can keep it. But you are bound. You are bound up. You're in the prison house. And the key is here, and the door can be unlocked at any time. It can be unlocked at any time. Now, turn to Isaiah 42, and we're going to read here for just a minute. Isaiah 42, verse number 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled, stolen from. They are all of them snared. And that, that word uh, snared means to spread a net. In other words, it's a trap. Okay? They're snared in holes. They are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey. The predator, the enemy is after them. And none delivers. For a spoil, and none says restore. Nobody there to say, well, you know, I want it not to be that way at Redemption Church, don't you? I want the people that are here. I'm not just talking about when we come into the service. I'm talking about we go out, and when we come in, we're bringing in those strangers. We're bringing in those people who need God's touch in their life. We're not just looking at them and saying, be warmed and blessed. No, we're saying, be restored in the power of Jesus Christ. Be restored by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, in another translation, it says this, but now his people have been plundered. They are locked up in dungeons and hidden away in prisons with no one to come to their rescue. And so that is a sad, sad story, don't you think? So I speak restore in Jesus. Jesus will restore your life. He will rescue you. He will deliver you. He'll give you eternal life. You don't have to have a fear of death and that you're going to hell. 
You know, some people are living in fear because they don't know Jesus. And we need to tell them. You don't have to be in that prison house. You can be rescued. You can receive eternal life. You can be born again. Amen? So this person was robbed of their covenant promises. A net had been laid out to trap them. Bars of bondage had them enslaved. And so we need to come to their rescue as God's people, going out into the hedges, going out into the highways, and compelling them to come in. And you've got a testimony. You've got a story, something that they need to hear that will change their life. You say, well, I, I tried to share with so-and-so and they just rejected me and they didn't receive me. You know, I, I know that happens. It's happened to me before I've, you know, uh, shared my faith or uh, shared about my uh, life in Jesus, whatever the case may be. And I've had people just throw it right back in my face. But I've got a word for that. Just turn. Just turn and start talking to someone else. And don't let, well, I just got rejected. Well, don't get a spirit of rejection over it. Some people, they, I mean, you know, they went through a bad relationship and they get a spirit of rejection. And so they're living their life like everybody is going to reject them. And what they don't know is they're causing people to reject them because that spirit is repelling. You've got you to be delivered from rejection. And so in God's house, we can't be people that live in that rejection. We need to point people to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now, Isaiah 42, 6, speaking of Jesus, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. Isn't that a good word? Oh, sometimes I need Jesus. I need you to hold my hand because I feel like I'm faltering. I feel like I'm going to fall. You said, oh, that can't be. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you feel that way to, at times too. And he holds to your hand. You may be facing something tonight. Let Jesus hold to your hand. You know what he'll do when he holds your hand? He'll hold you up. He'll hold you steady. Thank God. Thank God. He'll hold your hand, and he will keep you, and, he, and give you for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blinded eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I'm going to tell you, lots of people are in darkness tonight. It's sad in the darkness. It's sad in the darkness. But all the while, we as God's people have the light in us. We have the light that we can share, that we can give. And God wants to use us more than ever before. Amen. Amen. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. That's talking about dunamis, miracle-working power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed, it, it, it has to do with to exercise dominion over another. And see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to oppress God's people. He wants to keep us in 
the darkness, if you will. But there's dunamis, there's miracle working power to set people free. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.